We're thankful that you've come out tonight. We started a series a few, actually the first part of December, on miracles are real. And this is probably the most unique message that I have preached in some time. It is an incredible lesson on God's willingness to perform miracles. God, how many know God is willing to bless you? He's not up in heaven trying to, you know, keep you from being happy. He's in heaven, and he's there to help you be happy and enjoy the blessings of the Lord. So um, we're going to be talking today about something that is, uh, I never give it much thought until the Holy Spirit begin to lead me. We'll be speaking tonight out of 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to begin reading with verse Eight of this uh, chapter, we're going to read down to verse 13, and actually we're going to read down to verse 16, and um, this is a wonderful lesson on God giving miracles to everyone. Makes no difference who you are, makes no difference how talented, how wealthy, how uh, young or old you are, God is the God of miracles, both to the young and the older uh, the rich and the poor, all classes of people. God loves people, and he loves to show his glory in the midst of people. Amen. First uh, Kings found in your double books in your Old Testament, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, when the first chapter, or First Kings, rather, chapter 17. Let's read, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Verse 8, we're going to read down to verse 16. Now follow closely, and you'll see something incredible in, the, in this reading. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he had came to the gate of the city, Behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he, Elijah, called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus said the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and, and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. 
I want to draw your attention to verse 9. God tells Elijah, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and behold there, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. I want to use for a subject tonight, and this is really incredible, when you stop and look at it, the miracle of a commandment. The miracle of a commandment. Oh, grab a hold of this. This is incredible. This is amazing lesson that we can learn from God's Word. You may be seated. The miracle of a commandment. Now, Elijah the Tishbite. Now, there's no genealogy of Elijah. He just shows up in the palace of Ahab and says, Thus saith the Lord God, it's not going to rain or even do until I say it's going to rain. And then Elijah disappears. Now, I don't know what a Tishbite is, but I know I don't want to be bit by one. Ahab was bit by a Tishbite. Elijah, the Tishbite. Elijah announced that there's coming a drought. And the reason the drought was coming is because Israel had fallen prey and had went headlong in Baal worship. They had turned to the worshiping of the groves and the and Baal worship, and they, they had just gotten way far away from their God. The earth had begun to rebel. How many know the earth rebels when man gets in sin? That's why there's all these earthquakes and all these tsunamis and all these things happening. The earth just doesn't like the people that's walking on it right now because of the sinful life. The earth itself, how many know the earth itself has an attitude? Amen. And if we plunder it and, and don't appu- uh, 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 we don't appreciate it, then the Scripture is very clear that God has given the planet Earth an attitude. And that because of man's sin, the Earth will go barren. It will, there'll be droughts. There'll be starvation. There'll be famine. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be convulsions in the Earth. For the Earth is called, in fact, in Genesis, the Bible says that God called the land Earth. Now, I want you to listen very carefully because this is a time as we begin to read in this 17th chapter, Elijah had already announced that there would be a great drought. That drought, the whole purpose of the drought was to bring judgment to Israel, to bring Judah and Israel back together. Ezekiel talked about two sticks being side by side or in the end. And, and what he was trying to say is God wanted to keep Judah and Israel together. And it mentions two sticks here, and we're not going to get into the prophecy and the theology of that tonight, but we want to look at the miracle of a commandment. Now, the drought was heavy. I mean, when I say heavy, it was dusty. It was bad. In fact, the drought had probably been going on for well long enough that the brook Cherith went dry. The first few verses of chapter 17 says that God told Elijah the Tishbite to go down uh, uh, from the inhabitants of Gilead to go down into uh, a place called Cherif where the brook was, uh, that is before Jordan, and he was to camp out at that brook, Cherith, and while he camped out at that brook, ravens would bring Elijah meat and bread every morning, every night. Ravens would bring food to Elijah. And Elijah was to drink water out of the brook Cherith. 
Now, we know that the famine or the drought was pretty much along here, maybe a year, a year and a half, uh, maybe even two years in progress because the brook Cherith dried up. And that tells me that it was very serious when the drought dried up and, and, you know, the message of the ravens feeding Elijah, that's another sermon in itself. But the brook did dry up. And you may feel like tonight that your brook has dried up. You may feel like, you know, I can't even suck water out of anything right now. It's just my, the bedrock is dry. And you may feel like that God has, you know, sustained you to this point, but you don't know what to do. And the Bible says that God told Elijah, you go to the brook, Cherith, and there I will feed you. How many know it's important that you are where God wants you to be? It's important that you're there. Because if he wasn't there, the ravens would not have found him. The ravens were instructed by God, commanded by God to go feed Elijah at a certain place. And so if you're not where you need to be, if you're not there, it could be that you need to move and get to, get to where you need to be at the place that God has ha- God's called you because Elijah would have starved to death if he had not went to the brook Cherith. But that doesn't mean that because you're there where God wanted you to be, that doesn't mean the brook won't dry up because it did dry up. Even you say, but, 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 you know, I can see it drying up on me, but what about the preacher? We're talking about Elijah, folks. It dried up on the big prophet. And God says to Elijah, I want you to go down to Jeropath that belonged to Zidon, Verse 9, and there I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. Now, I want to point out some things tonight that will help you understand just how incredible this commandment is. This is, a, this is um, uh, the miracle of a commandment. In fact, when Elijah went down, into Zarephath and where that belonged to Zidon, when he enters into the city, the Bible says he sees a woman. She's a widow. And as he enters into the city and he sees in Zarephath this woman, she's gathering up sticks, this widow, verse 10, she's gathering up sticks to bake a fire in which she could make a fire and cook something out of a little bit of meal in a barrel to feed her son, to feed herself because things were so bad that she was going to eat it, drink it, and die. But yet, God told Elijah, I have commanded a woman, a widow woman, to sustain thee. She didn't get the memo. Honestly, she she didn't know anything about this. How many commandments, miracle commandments has God given you that you don't know nothing about yet? It will catch up with you. A miracle's coming to your life. You maybe know nothing about this miracle that's coming, but it's coming. Now, we would think the miracle was Elijah being fed by the widow. We think the miracle was for Elijah, and it was in some degree. But the miracle was not just for Elijah. The miracle was for the widow that is going to die. 
And she got a miracle. That's amazing. Stop and think about it. She didn't know that a miracle that God had commanded her. She didn't even know what God had commanded her to do. And you may be so depressed right now, you don't know God's commanded you for a miracle. All you're doing is gathering up a few sticks. She couldn't even find enough sticks to make a fire. All she found was two. It's pretty barren. And then two sticks represent Judah and Israel being put together, but that's a different sermon. But when Elijah sees her, he says to her, I need a drink of water, verse 10. Just fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, here she is gathering up. All she can find is two sticks. She's, she's out of, about out of meal, about out of oil. She's going to cook something for her son with these two little old sticks to make a fire and try to eat something, and then she's going to die. And here this prophet comes along. She doesn't know God has commanded her to feed him. This is first she's heard of it. She didn't know that she'd been commanded. I mean, Elijah was told by God, I've commanded a woman to feed you. Well, she didn't know it. And she's gathering up sticks and she's going to feed her son. Probably she was going to do without. She's going to die. She's gonna- and Elijah says, um, Go give me a drink of water. And the widow went to get a drink of water. And while she was going to get a drink of water, Elijah says, "Uh, hey, hey, ma'am, you widow lady there, hey, 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 bring me a piece of cake in your hand when you come. I'm hungry. She hadn't heard the memo. She hadn't got the word that God had commanded her to feed this man. And what she says to this man in verse 12 is very revealing. She said, as the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering up these two sticks that I may go and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She didn't get the message that she was going to have a miracle. She knew no idea of this miracle. She's going to die. She thinks she is. But her miracle was right there. I think it's interesting that sometimes God commands a miracle in our life and we don't even know the commandment yet. God is not going to let her die Because she has a purpose in life. God is not going to let her die because her job is to cook for Elijah. Now, that's a job I wouldn't want. But her job was to cook for Elijah. You, You think, well, she's something great. Well, her job was to preach to Ahab. No. Her job was to topple Jezebel. No. Her job was to preach down in Zarephath and tell everybody about how good God, her job is to be a missionary. No. God gave her a miracle so she could cook for Elijah. He commanded, God told Elijah, I've commanded a woman, a widow, not just a woman, anyone, but a widow to feed you, to sustain you. And she did not get the memo. She did not know. And some of you in this room right now, God 
maybe has commanded you to do some things in the future that you don't even know about. And God will sustain you so that you can enjoy that coming miracle. Woo, that's good. There's a miracle coming your way. Hello. You say, well, what was the woman's miracle? She didn't die. She didn't starve to death. Amen. The woman's miracle was she didn't die. I mean, oh, that's a pretty good miracle. Not dying. That's a real good miracle. She didn't starve to death. That's an awesome miracle. She didn't have to watch her boy die. That's an incredible miracle. But then she had to go to the old humdrum routine as cooking for Elijah. Day after day after day. Because God had commanded her to sustain Elijah. She didn't know it. And here she thought she was going to die. And God brought to her a miracle. Elijah says, don't fear, verse 13. He said, but make me there of a little cake first. And bring it unto me. And after you make for thee and for thy son, you can make something for you after you're done making me a cake. And for thus saith the Lord, Elijah says, uh, uh, the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. What a incredible miracle. Verse 15, and she, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Please don't miss this most incredible lesson. God had commanded this woman to sustain and feed Elijah, and she didn't even know it. And God has commanded you and some things in your future life that you don't even know. But when it's time for that miracle, it will come. This woman wasn't going to die because she was going to fulfill her purpose of sustaining Elijah. This woman and her son was not going to die because she is going to do what God commanded her to do, even though she didn't know what it was. But how many know the commandment will be clear the closer you get to your desperate miracle? And she was desperate for a miracle. Woo! I've already said enough. Some of you ought to be really shouting right now in your heart. Wow, I like this. Amen. You mean God will spare me just to cook for someone else? Yeah. You don't, I mean, you don't have to topple Rome. You don't have to conquer the, 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 the world. 
You don't have to go out and do things like a great evangelist. You just have to serve your purpose in life. And her purpose in life was to take care of Elijah. It wasn't time for her to die. God had commanded her to take care of Elijah. She wasn't going to die until she had fulfilled what God had commanded her to do. And everyone in this room, you've got a mountain of commandments and you're not going to die till you fulfill the commandment that God has ordered you to do. You may not know that commandment, but God will keep you alive until you complete that commandment. Praise the Lord. Now let's talk about miracles for a minute. What are miracles all about? Well, miracles will manifest God's glory. Miracles isn't for you to just get out of dying. Miracles isn't for you to just get an incredible healing. Miracles are not for you. You think they are. Well, bless God, if I get healed of cancer, it's for me. No, miracles are not for you. Miracles are for God. Did you hear what I'm saying? Miracles are not for you. Miracles are for God. Now, we enjoy those miracles, but miracles are for God. You say, how can you say such a thing? Well, remember Jesus turning water into wine? His first miracle in Cana at the marriage? Remember the first thing that Jesus did after he, his first miracle in John chapter 2, turning the water into wine? Verse 11 says, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested for his glory, and his disciples believed on him. What was, the, what was the, the miracle manifested for? For his glory. The miracle was for God's glory. Now, it, when I get a healing, I say, glory me. I'm kind of like Moses, glory me, amen. But the glory belongs to God. And that's why when God does a great miracle in someone's life, many times Jesus Christ told him, don't go tell anybody. Just enjoy your miracle. And he did it to manifest the glory of God. Are you listening to me? Miracles will manifest God's glory. Miracles are not for you, but for God. To honor the glory of God. Now, you benefit from it. Trust me. The, the, the widow at... Zarephath benefited from it. And if you got healed of cancer, you would benefit from it. But the glory belongs to God. Amen? That's why I worry about people that say they went to hell or went to heaven and they wrote 15 books on it. Who's getting the glory there? Think about what I'm saying. Who's getting the glory there? Notice in John chapter 1, verse 14, that Jesus came... And, and, the, and the first chapter says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with, with God. All things were made by Him, without Him not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of the Father. But, not, but notice verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So the glory is for him, not us. Miracles bring glory to God. In the process, we're healed. In the process, we're delivered. In the process, we live. But God does his stuff because he wants to see, he wants us to see his handiwork. Amen? Come on, I'll preach in a minute. I know you're getting bored right now, but I'll try to help you a little bit. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Isaiah said, the whole earth is full of God's glory. So the Bible says the stars that twinkle above our head are for the glory of God. The Bible says the sun that rises in the east, sets in the west, is for the glory of God. The Bible says that the moon and the stars and all that's in the earth is for the glory of God. Because we see his glory in the stars. We see his glory in the clouds. We see his glory in creation. We see his glory in his word. We see his glory in a newborn baby. We see his glory in God's son, Jesus Christ. We see the glory of God in his commandment. Isn't that good? Now let me bring it home. Help you a little bit with this. God made us incredibly complicated. Trust me, I understand that phrase, complicated. Uh, there's some people in my life that always says, well, it's complicated. Trust me, you are complicated. Anybody that says it's complicated, trust me, they are more complicated than the complication they're talking about. Amen? But notice what God says about our personal creation. Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This body is fearfully and wonderfully made, connected with the mind and soul, connected with the spirit. I, my personality, everything I am, my physical body, my mind, my soul, my spirit, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. Now let's bring this down. If God made the sun for his glory, if God turned water into wine for his glory, if God made the trees and the grass and the birds and the bees for his glory, if God made everything to display his glory, then he made you for the same purpose. Wow. You mean God made me for the glory of God? Yes. You mean God made you God made us all for his glory. We, we by we're all things are created. We're created for by him for his pleasure. We are to bring pleasure to God. We are to bring glory to God. And so God made us for his 
glory. Wow. Let me just let me just take your breath away just a little bit. Because this takes my breath away. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 4, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. So if God made all creation to declare his glory, if God made everything around here to declare his glory, then he made you to do the same, to declare his glory. So God wants to do things in you that will glorify him. Hear me. God wants to do a miracle in you so that you will complete the commandment that he's given you to do. And that commandment may not be, you know, go overseas and preach to people that's never heard the gospel. That commandment may not be that you're going to stand up behind the pulpit or going to be an evangelist and try. That commandment may be something as simple as feeding Elijah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So ladies, while you're on to the kitchen, while you're headed to the kitchen, and men, while you're headed to the refrigerator, give God glory. Amen? Give God glory. Because everything, have you ever went to a supermarket and looked at the different vegetables and the melons and the food, and you look at all the different things in a grocery store, and, and then some idiot says, well, that can't got, got here through a big bang theory, big you know, evolution. No, that got here because God created in Genesis after its kind, the seed after every kind. Genesis is the seed plot of the Bible. God created everything for what? His glory. So when you sit down at a table this this uh, weekend, and you have a wonderful meal with your family, it is for His glory. Isn't that good? It is for His glory. And if God has commanded you to do things for His glory, let me stop here. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Why did He put fearfully in there? I'm wonderfully made. Our eyes, there's not been a camera that can compare to what our eyes can do. There's, I don't care how they high-tech the robots and the computers, they'll never be able, they might be able to think mechanically faster than us, but no one can replace us because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our fingerprints are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every hair on our head is numbered by God Almighty because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in the image of God, although that's been perverted to the image of Adam, but we are still God's creation, and we, he created us that we would bring glory to God. And stop and think, why did he say, I, why did the psalmist say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Because he said, I am fearfully because I know that in just a, just a second, I could cease to be. I know that this body is frail. Although it's so high-tech by God's glory, yet I can die in a moment. Our body's so high-tech, we have to keep breathing to, to, to stay alive. Our heart has to keep beating to stay alive. We're so complicated and so, uh, so high-tech made by the, by the creation of God. Yes, we are wonderfully made, but we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And that word fearfully could even brought down to we're fragilely. We're fragile and wonderfully made. Why are we fragile? Because God wants us fragile. We're fragile because God wants you to bring glory to him. I mean, it's no fun getting sick. Unless you can start learning, you get sick because it gives God a chance to show his glory. Instead of complaining about your problem, instead of complaining about it, say, boy, this is, a, this is a God's wonderful opportunity because I'm not going to die until I have fulfilled the commandment. What is the commandment? I don't know. But whatever the commandment is, I'm not dying until I do it. So if you don't know what you're doing, if you, trust me, there's a lot of folks who don't know what they're doing. But if you don't know what you're doing right now, good news, you're not going to die right now. Because God's got things he wants us to do. And I, I know that I'm alive right now because God wanted me here preaching to you tonight. I've had some very close calls with death because I am fearfully, very fragilely made. But God made me wonderfully made because God wants to use me to his glory. Amen? Anybody getting something out of this? I hope you're getting something good out of this. This is awesome. God made us because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So the woman there in 1 Kings 17, verse 8 and 9, God says to Elijah, I've commanded this woman to to feed you there in Zarephath. As Elijah gets there, this woman didn't get the memo. She didn't know. When Elijah said, bring me a cake, and she said, bring you a cake, we're getting ready to die. And Elijah probably said under his breath, Lord, she didn't get the memo. But the truth is, she wasn't going to take them two sticks and feed her son and her and she die. She was going to receive a miracle because it wasn't time for her to die. Because she was fearfully and wonderfully made. This was to bring glory to God. Not that she could cook meals for Elijah. This was to bring glory to God. What we do in our lives with our children, with our grandchildren, what we do in our church, what we do to help others is for the glory of God. It's not for our glory. It's for the glory of God. God wants us to be be on hands, all hands on deck, serving God, loving God, because God is concerned about your child. God is concerned about your grandchild, your great-grandchild. God is concerned about your, your, your loved ones. He's concerned about your church. He's concerned about you. And God has a special commandment for you, and you may not even know what it is, but you'll know it when it comes. The miracle of a commandment. Isn't that good? Oh, you ain't got no Bible for that. Yeah, I do. Right here, but let me give you a Jesus Bible, some scripture for it. John 10, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, Jesus Christ said, Therefore, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. 
That's good. You say, but he knew about the commandment that God gave him. Yeah, but he's a lot brighter than we are. Hello? Jesus is a lot more spiritual, a lot more up on things than we are. Have you ever stopped to consider that how many times Apostle Paul almost died? Have you ever stopped to think about it? Have you read the life of Paul? Shipwrecked, a night and a day in the deep, spinning darkness in a, in a, a capsized, a sunken boat and in the waters for a, a night and a day in the deep, being beaten 40 times, save one, facing stoning and left outside the city of Lystra for dead, being stoned to death. You ever stop to think how many close calls Paul had of dying? But what was that commandment that Paul had? He was to go preach to Rome. He was to make it to Caesar. He was to go preach. And by the way, on his way, he gave us all these epistles. And all the prison epistles written from jail. In fact, Paul pretty much captured and redeemed the entire empire of Rome from a jail cell. What was his commandment? Well, I think Paul had many commandments. But stop and think, why didn't he die? Because God wanted to show his glory in Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 8. It comes time for Paul to die. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. There it is. Finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all them that love his appearing. There's coming a time when God's going to reward his church for its obedience and for hearkening to the commandments that God gives us. Let me say this right now. Your miracle is on its way. If it's not time for you to die, you're not dying. Let me tell you right now, your miracle is on the way. If it's not time, it's not time for you to go. And if God's given you a commandment to do something, and maybe you don't even know what that commandment is, the little widow lady didn't get the memo. And maybe you didn't get the memo. Maybe you need a miracle and you don't, you've got the attitude, well, why would God give me a miracle? I'm a nobody. Maybe God's concerned about one of your grandchildren. Maybe God's concerned about one of your children. Maybe God's concerned about someone in the church. Maybe God's concerned about, you know, he was concerned about Elijah. He wanted the widow to feed him. I mean, come on. I, I believe that is not exactly the most glorious position to have, to sit in a kitchen uh, trying to cook with fire and wood, trying to feed a prophet that had a very opinionated attitude. Amen. And if you ask the typical young convert, what prophet would you like to be like? If you ask the typical young convert, what prophet would you like to be like? And nine times out of ten, they'll say, I'd like to be a John the Baptist or a Elijah. And I had, a, I had a preacher come up to me when I first got saved, and he said, what prophet would you like to be? 
If you could be a prophet in the Old Testament, what prophet you could be? And I said, Elijah. He said, I thought you'd choose John the Baptist. I said, no, I want to keep my head. And John the Baptist didn't perform no miracles, but Elijah did. Please hear me. Please hear me. I, I, I realize tonight is a different type of preaching on mir- the miracle of a commandment. But you hear me. You may, the, the devil maybe has convinced you that you don't deserve a miracle. But God does. The, de- the devil may convince you that you do not deserve a miracle. But someone you know maybe needs one. God needs one. And if God can pull you up out of a sick bed and he get glory out of it, then come on up out. I don't know. All I know this is God has got several commandments to everyone in this room. You don't know them all. So you worried about the commandments you know? No, I'm not worried about the commandments I know. I, the, the commandments God gave me, I, I know quite well. It's the ones I don't know about yet that's got me scared. But God's got commandments for us. And that woman didn't know it. But she found out that she, God had commanded her to do something special. And I want to say to everyone in this room, no matter whether you feel big or small, no matter whether you feel you deserve a miracle or not, the truth is it has nothing to do with whether you deserve a miracle or healing. Nothing to do. Jesus deserves it. Has nothing to do with you deserving anything because we really don't deserve anything. Has nothing to do with you getting glory. Has nothing to do, well, if God will do this for me, I'll do this for them. No, no, no. God wants to do something for you for his glory. Amen? Why don't we leave the glory in to Jesus? People get a little glory when God touches them, bless them, then we go out glory, glory, glory in. Leave the glory into Jesus. Amen? Now, I don't, know, I don't know when I'm going to die or if I die. The rapture may come. That's what I'd like to see. And when the rapture takes place, I, you know, I'm sad that it's only going to be in the 150th of a second. In a moment, we won't have time to even. We'll just be there. And I'm a little sad that I can't haul her back below the clouds. I told you so. But the Lord is coming. And I don't know when it's time for me to go to him or him to come to me. But I know this. God has commanded me certain things in my life to do. I don't know them all, but I'll know them when I arrive there. God's commanded you certain things to do. And you maybe haven't got that memo. And if you're facing something in your life that you need a miracle, trust me, the miracle will glorify God because just as surely as the heavens declare the glory of God, just as surely as the clouds declare the glory of God, just as surely as all creation declares the glory of God, you do too. You do too. 
and God's going to get glory. And I, I, I would have wrote the scripture down, but I, this is just coming to me right now. Uh, Paul talked about you'll glorify God in your living and you'll glorify God in your dying. You're going to give God glory while you're living or you're going to give God glory while you're dying. God's going to get glory out of you. Even if he gets to get that glory out of your, the end of your life, he's going to get glory. God's going to get glory out of you because he made you to glorify him. Amen? So, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. God knows what you're going to do. Well, I don't know what commandment God's given me. Well, it'll catch up with you. You'll get there. I'm talking about the miracle of a commandment. This lady at Zarephath, this lady, the widow, she didn't get the memo. She didn't know. But Elijah was told by God, I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. She had been commanded to do something for Elijah, and she didn't even know it yet. And she went off on Elijah when Elijah said, bring me a piece of cake. She went off on him. And Elijah probably said it under his breath, she didn't get the memo, Lord. And so he reestablished that, and he said, thus said the Lord, the meal and the barrel will not waste away, nor will the oil dry. Go ahead and make me a cake, and while you're at it, make your family a cake, and I promise you the meal will not dry up, nor will the oil cruise dry up. You'll, and, and how many know God kept her alive until it was her time to die? Isn't that good? See, that miracle wasn't for Elijah so much. It was for the widow, and it was to bring glory to God because God wants glory out of Elijah. God wants glory out of the widow. God wants glory out of the preacher. God wants glory out of the, the, the elder. God wants glory out of the neighbor. God wants glory out of you. God wants glory out of the child. God wants glory out of the the, the teenager, God wants glory out of every man and every woman. God wants glory out of you. He made you for his glory. Amen. Stand with me. Hope this message helped you. What commandment has the Lord given me? I don't know. But I promise you, if the Lord has commanded you to do something, you don't know what it is yet, <laughs> you're going to have a miracle. It's coming. The miracle will be yours. You will experience a miracle. In fact, I want you to know that every person in this room, you have already experienced a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, or you'd already be dead. Did you hear what I just said? Everybody in this room, you have already experienced a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, or you would already be dead. You experienced a miracle when you were born out of your mother's womb. It was a miracle that God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. It was a miracle that you lived. And it's a miracle that you're alive. And there's enough germs in this auditorium right now to kill everybody in this room. But God gave you a miracle called an immune system. And then he buffers it with him. Thank God for immune system. 
But sometimes you need to take some three-in-one oil, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Lube up so you won't die. Fixed vapor rub won't do it, but the holy anointing of God will. Amen? I remember when my mom used to take Vicks Vapor Rub. Remember that? Vicks Vapor Rub. I mean, it was a cure for warts. It was a cure for colds. It was a cure for memory loss. It was a cure for everything. And my mom would get that old Vicks Vapor Rub out. You'd warm it all over you. Man, the, the smell would kill you. There's no way that you could have a booger in your nose. It dissolved them instantly. And I'd see my mom get that old Vicks Vapor Rub, rub it all over her again. Yes, I'm talking. She'd get that stuff and she'd put it in her mouth, big old glob of it, and swallow it. She lived longer because God gave her a miracle. Hello. Just by word of teasing, I'm just going to tease a little bit. Judy made some a meat roast or something the other day. And, and I'm eating away, and actually I haven't started eating. Josh put a bite in his mouth, and he didn't say nothing. He spit it out. Josh kind of quiet. I reached down and got a piece of the meat and put it in my mouth, and I said something. I spit it out. Nastiest thing I've had in my mouth in quite some time. It was disgusting. That's not, that's not criticizing Judy. The meat just had a problem. It was disgusting. I have no idea. It wasn't deer. It was beef, but it was nasty. And I spread it out. Judy sat there and just eat it away. She, did, she, did, she just ate it all. She got a second helping. They ate it all. She ate it all. I mean, she ate it. She said to me and Josh, well, it Nothing wrong. I didn't taste anything different. And I spent the rest of the night, when we went to bed, I spent the rest of the night checking her pulse to make sure she's still alive. God gave her a miracle. God gave her a miracle. God gives us miracles, and we don't even know it. He's the God of miracles. Trust me, there's some things that God's called you to do. And so don't be afraid to believe God for a miracle because you were created for His glory. Believe God for your miracle. Altar's open. Sorry, Josh, had to tell it.